a question for you. Um, do you find it hard to experience joy at Christmas? See, one possible reason that uh, I only... Okay, could someone turn the lights on over there? <laughs> so it's... Um, there was a reason for this that I only recently became aware of. Um, and it's not just that the Christmas season is one of the most stressful. I have all found out that it also is one of the most dangerous times of year. Didn't know this, but a recent article summarized some of the research from Great Britain on Christmas stress and accidents. I honestly don't think there's probably that much difference between what they found in Great Britain and what we would find here. Um, so, for example, almost 20% of people find the experience of hosting guests and preparing for Christmas meals and festivities completely overwhelming. Doesn't it, though? And I, and I have to state up front, this was not a photograph I took. Got this off the internet. No. It went on to say a third of women feel more stressed throughout December than any other month across the year. Interesting. Um, Three percent of people suffer an electric shock due to badly wired Christmas lighting. And one in 50 fall out of the attic trying to get the tinsel and decorations down. Yeah. Yeah. Now here's a really big one. Some 2.6 million people have even fallen off a stool or a ladder while hanging up decorations. Two, over two and a half million people. It's happened to. And then um, a mammoth 700,000 people have been injured in a sale rush while trying to snag a bargain. And I was thinking about this. It's like, you know, if they accurately applied these statistics to movies, there's no way Clark Griswold lives to the end of Christmas vacation. It just it wouldn't happen. Uh, Russell Atkinson, CEO of Great Britain's National Accident Helpline, said, Unfortunately, the festive and winter season can bring with it hazards for your health, from the cold weather and long dark nights to unsafe electric decorations around the home. As such, we urge people to pause and take steps to keep themselves, their friends, and family safe in order to ensure they have a relaxed and cheerful holiday season. So you have been warned. Now, that's just one element of this, right? The, the fact that it is stressful and unsafe. There's a lot of other reasons, I think, for an absence of joy this time of year. Um, I think sometimes that we, we become so awash in nostalgia and trying to live in the past uh, maybe even trying to recreate a Christmas that occurred years and years ago. Um, and we get all tied up in that, and it's never the same. You can't do that. You know, it's just, it just doesn't happen. Um, sometimes the absence of a family member can bring about a lot of sadness. I, I can still very clearly remember, um, everybody know who Mannheim Steamroller is? musical group, they do these wonderful Christmas CDs. 
Well, this was years ago when the very first one came out, and someone had told us about it, and we purchased it. And if you're familiar with the CD, you'll remember that there is a version of Silent Night at the very end of it. And it's this, um, it's a beautiful rendition of it. Lots of, you know, a swelling orchestra and all this. And then at the very end, it goes into this very simple child's piano playing the, the notes. And there was something about listening to that. I guess it was the first time I heard it or whatever. But it really made me miss my dad. And I have no idea why. Because it wasn't like I remember that as one of his favorite songs or anything. But there was just something so powerful about that music that I got really emotional uh, when I heard that. And he'd been gone for at least a half a dozen years at that point, at least that long. For some, maybe it's just the anxiety that accompanies this overflowing December to-do list that we have. Um, or the stress of spending money we really don't have on gifts people really don't want Gifts that we give only because of some artificial sense of obligation. And so when you put all of this emotion and stress and anxiety and even danger in this big bowl and you mix it all up, what you end up with is a concoction pretty much guaranteed to suck the joy out of most anything. Now, if you are someone who's lost their joy this Christmas season, I'm Sorry. I wish I could wave a magic wand over your life circumstances and in doing so, restore your joy. But I can't. I don't have a wand and I don't believe in magic. All I have are words. And while that may not seem like a lot, let me remind you that these words of mine come from the most powerful, life-changing book ever written. And, that, and in that book, an author named Luke records a scene in which an angel of heaven interacts with the men of earth. This angel is a messenger, and Luke records his message in the second chapter of this book. And it says this, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for, I, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now it was nearly 300 years ago that Isaac Watts penned the words, the lyrics, to joy to the world. And Watts heralds the coming of the Lord to a world in need of joy. The Lord has come, joy to the world. But what exactly is joy? Dictionaries define it as the passage or emotion excited by the acquisition or expectation of good. It can also be pleasurable feelings or emotions caused by success, good fortune, and the like, or by a rational prospect of possessing what we love or desire. Joy can be an intense awareness of life. To have joy means to have, quote, enchantment and rapture. Since the advent of sin, humanity has awaited the joy promised that was going to come in the seed of a woman. Human beings in the whole of creation have longed 
for this reunion with the divine. For in God's presence there is fullness of joy. Sin has caused us to suffer and to weep. The psalmist experienced the anguish of that sin that causes us to suffer and to weep when he wrote, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Jeremiah, describing the desolation of famine, wrote, Joy has gone from the orchards and the fields. There is no sound of singing in the fields anymore. But that was earlier, before this angel's pronouncement. And the angel says, great joy has come. And it's important, I think, for us to understand that the joy we know as Christians does not come as a one-time event. It's not a once and for all happening. The joy of this season is not a here today, gone tomorrow kind of thing. So we know that joy has broken in. And we understand it to be incremental and continuous rather than one and done, so to speak. So the question before us is where will you find the power of great joy that was spoken of by this angel. One answer to that is that you will find this power in your daily experience with God. A question that I think people almost universally ask is, what's my purpose in life? Why am I here? Well, the fact that God created us for his own glory determines the correct answer to that question. Our purpose must be to fulfill the reason that God created us in the first place, and that was to glorify him. So when we're speaking about this with respect to God himself, that's a pretty good summary of our purposes. But what about us? What about our own interests? And when we pursue that line of inquiry in Scripture, we make a pretty happy discovery that we are to enjoy God and take delight in him and in our relationship with him. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And as I mentioned earlier, David tells God, in your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. He longs to dwell in the house of the Lord to behold the beauty of the Lord. And so fullness of joy is found in knowing God and delighting in the excellence of his character, of really thinking about and meditating on and understanding who he is. To be in his presence, to enjoy fellowship with him, is a greater blessing than anything that we can imagine. Psalm 84, verses 1 and 2, and then part of verse 10 helps us to understand that. It says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. So therefore, the normal heart attitude of a Christian is rejoicing in the Lord and in the lessons of the life that he gives us. 
And as we glorify God and enjoy Him, what does Scripture say? Well, it tells us that He rejoices in us. We read, and I quote, As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. And Zephaniah prophesied that the Lord will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing as on the day of festival. And so this understanding of this doctrine of creation of man has some very practical results to it, some practical applications for it. Because when we realize that God created us to glorify him, and when we start to act in ways that actually fulfill that purpose, then we can begin to really experience the intensity of joy in the Lord that we've never known before. When we add to that the realization that God himself is rejoicing in our fellowship with him, our joy becomes inexpressible and filled with heavenly glory. As Larry the Cable Guy would say, that's the power of joy right there. That's right. Get her done. <laughs> now, I have to stop and say, is anybody else impressed that I was able to work a Larry the Cable Guy reference into a Christmas message on joy? If you're not, it gave me joy to do it. So Sometimes I just do things for myself. You don't like them, that's okay. So we have this, this joy in our daily experience with God. But the second avenue of this is that you'll find the power of great joy in your lifetime journey with God. And so in addition to finding joy daily, we have to understand that there's also this journey, and it began the very night that Jesus was born. And we need to remember that humanity waited for this arrival surrounded by oppression and sorrow. It was not a good time in the life of Israel. They were anticipating the coming of the Messiah, and Isaiah spoke of a time when this gloom would be no more, when the people who walked in darkness would see a great light, and when joy would increase. And it's in this context that he wrote, For unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Can you even imagine the indescribable joy that the shepherds had attending their flock in the Bethlehem hillsides 2,000 years ago on a cold night when an angel came to them and said, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. That announcement made it official. God had fulfilled his promise. The seed of the woman had come. The Messiah had arrived. And this journey of joy was inaugurated by the Messiah in coming to a people who were in desperate need of liberation from sin. But their longing for that restoration of joy had blinded them 
to a certain degree. See, they were obsessed with deliverance from Roman bondage and from the reestablishment of their political supremacy. Their need was different than their desire. The people Christ came to save <clears throat> allowed their political urgency to crowd out something that was of far greater importance. Thus, the very ones that he came to heal and set free didn't recognize him because he didn't come the way they expected. Christ's coming was not told to the religious leaders. Instead, it was announced to a group of common laborers. The shepherds who first heard the good news were living along the margins of, the margins of society in need of justice and equity and liberation and fairness. And he came to bring joy to the despised and the oppressed, but his contemporaries did not recognize him. They had no room in their inn for him and had no musicians to welcome him. If you're not experiencing the inbreaking power of joy this season, perhaps it is because you have no room for him either. Will history repeat itself? Is it conceivable that you could miss him if he does not return in a way that you anticipate? Or if his joy does not come in the way that you had expected it to? Just as there were then, there are people today on the margins of society who need liberation and equity. There are lonely faces in the streets and longing hearts all around us who need to experience the wonders of his joy so that no more let sin and sorrows grow nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. As Isaac Watts so eloquently wrote <clears throat> almost three centuries ago. <clears throat> because there are people living in hopelessness, and there always have been, and there always will be. The expression, joy to the world, has kind of a missionary tone to it. It promises something to us and requires something of us. To spread the good news of Jesus is to experience the journey of joy. Now there are endless possibilities and opportunities to bring the power of joy to the world and to let God's blessings flow. We can feed the hungry. We can visit the sick and the shut-ins. We can provide cheer to those in need. Visit the incarcerated. Smile at those who just need a smile. Educate those who cannot afford education. And pray for and with those in need of prayer. Pursue the journey of joy. We can spread God's joy daily. But what better time than at Christmastide? When the whole world is singing joy to the world. The journey of joy is not <clears throat> experiences of happiness and warm fuzzies. It's a journey of doing. 
spreading the message of joy to others with our deeds, not just with symbols like Christmas trees and lights and beautifully wrapped presents and mistletoe. The accoutrement of Christmas can camouflage the true meaning of the celebration. In our quest to experience the joy and the good feelings of the season, we may not recognize the one who initiated the journey of joy in the first place. Remember what Jesus said about having to come as little children. Sophia Cavaletti is a researcher who has pioneered the study of spirituality in young children. She finds that children often have an amazing perception that far surpasses what they've already been taught. One three-year-old girl raised in an atheistic family with no church contact at all, no Bible in the home, and certainly no discussion of God, one day asked her father, where did the world come from? Well, he answered her in strictly naturalistic, scientific terms. Then he added, there are some people who say that all of this comes from a very powerful being, and they call him God. Upon hearing this, the little girl starts dancing around the room with joy, and she said, I knew what you told me wasn't true. It's him. It's him. Three years old. She recognized the one who initiated the journey of joy. Will you? Joy is a goal that can keep us walking through the most soul-wearying times of our lives. We can't stop hard times from coming. But we can keep our eyes on the prize rather than constantly staring at our debilitating circumstances. The gift of the Holy Spirit to us is that the Spirit makes Jesus' presence real. And the reality of Jesus' presence is always ushered in with joy. Christmas celebrates the journey of joy signaled by the coming of Jesus. It's the journey of a lifetime But at Christmas, we celebrate the day when God himself came down to begin the journey with us. So enjoy the journey of joy at Christmas. Joy to your world is my wish to you. But something you must understand. You alone must make a decision about God's joyful gift to the world. So, is there room in your inn this Christmas for God's gift of the divine? It's room that you must make in order to experience the power of great joy in both your daily experience with God and in your lifetime journey with him as well. And as I was working on this, you know, I was kind of thinking, so oftentimes we confuse joy and happiness. 
when we think that you know, th this idea that joy is going to somehow change our circumstances, and I was thinking about the shepherds that were in the field. <clears throat> they experienced this monumental paradigm shift in their world when heaven came to earth in the form of the angelic and made this pronouncement to them. And it so motivated them that they had to run off, see for themselves, and tell everybody they ran into. But you know what? At the end of all of that, they were still shepherds. They still had one of the worst jobs in society at that time, which was taking care of stinky, smelly sheep, chasing after them where they run away, protecting them from predators, sleeping with them, being out at night in the cold. This in, and the point I'm trying to make is this inbreaking of joy didn't change their circumstances at all. It's what lids are for. It didn't change their circumstances one iota, but it brought them great joy. And so right where they were, they were able to experience the joy of this inbreaking. And I think it's important for us to remember that because so often we think that um, if we're not just bubbling over with happiness or enthusiasm or whatever the case may be, that, we're, that we're, we don't have joy. And that's not true. Joy came. Joy is here. need to understand and plug into it. Amen. Amen. Father, I just thank you. Thank you for your joy. And Lord, my prayer today is that everyone who is here experiences that joy. Understands that it is not simply about happiness and about feeling good. Joy, just like God, takes the long view of things. Joy is not so much about what is, but what will be. Help us to look at it from that perspective, with more of an eye to the eternal than the here and now. And in doing so, help us to cultivate a sense of joy that we can carry with us at all times. Because even in the worst of times, we'll understand and we'll know beyond a shadow of a doubt who God is to us and what our final destination will be. So 
we give you thanks and praise, Lord God. Just for who you are and for this plan that was put in place before any of us were even born. A plan that became manifest so long ago at this time we call Christmas. Father, I just pray that we would all be purveyors of joy. I don't know. That's just what I keep hearing in my head. Purveyors of joy. So I just pray that over this gathering, Father, that each and every person here would be a purveyor of your joy. That it would so bubble up within them that they can't help carry it and give it away to everyone they come in contact with. If I could have some folks come up to pray.